If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm number 1. That's where we're going to be at today. From time to time, pastor has to ask congregation to do hard things. And this definitely is one of the harder things in the Christian life, one of the harder disciplines that we are to uh, perform and take part in. But it's also very encouraging because it has to do with our relationship with Christ. And well, I think we have to ask ourselves a question, just how deep in our relationship with Christ do we want to go? And that may seem like a funny question. Most of you might say, well, I want to go as deep as possible. But it takes some work to get there, right? It takes some work in the Word of God to be able to go deep in our relationship with Christ. And he does that as he conforms us to the image of Christ, which I hope is everyone's goal in here, uh, especially these young new Christians. Um, it's important that we all see, but especially them, to see that this is just the beginning of our salvation when we place our faith and trust in Christ, that he wants to continue to save us from the power of sin in our life. In other words, we talked about that in Sunday school, about how we have the old nature kind of in conflict with the new nature. And by that, I mean our old way of life is sometimes in con conflict with our new way of life. And uh, it doesn't always want to do the new things of our life. And so we're in this conflict, but Jesus has secured even our sanctification, us becoming like him and becoming more holy. He secured that by his death on the cross. And then finally, there'll be the day when he returns or whether we go to him, when we will be ultimately delivered from the very presence of sin. Won't that be a glorious day? Uh, I heard a quote by John MacArthur. I probably won't get the quote right, but he said the one thing that he looks forward to in heaven is that the struggle with sin will finally be over. But until that day, we struggle, right? And that's, that's a sure sign that a person is a true Christian. Are they struggling against their sin? We as Christians are not perfect, are we? <laughs> I can't claim to be perfect, and you, you know me well enough that I'm not. Darla certainly knows me well enough that I'm not. And you can laugh, but your spouses know about you too. <laughs> they know that you're not perfect. But that doesn't mean we don't stretch forward. That doesn't mean we don't pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so meditating on God's word, which is where we're going to be going on in this uh, sermon, is definitely the way that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's through God's word, amen? amen. That's what he has given us. It's not through the stars. It's not through you know, any revela re revelation of creation that we have the power to do this. It's through his very own word. And so with that in mind, um, I would like to go ahead and read this. So why don't we go ahead and stand and we're gonna read six verses. It's only six verses. I may add one verse a little bit later in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, that goes along with this quite a bit. But the lesson we're trying to learn today, it's, it, it involves with meditation, but really it's, it's that the one who is blessed is the one who delights in God's word. So let's read Psalm chapter one, verse one through six. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, once again, we come to you uh, asking for your help. We pray that for every Christian here that you would help the Holy Spirit to help us to understand the scripture, to get all of the meaning out of it that we can so that we might act in ways of obedience to you, that the world might see that and be attracted to the person of Jesus Christ. So we pray for your help. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I love this song. I just love the way it's, it's written. I love its clarity. I love the contrast it makes between the righteous and the wicked. And we'll be, we'll be talking about that quite a bit. But as I said, the lesson that I want you to get out, from, out of this, and uh, I always give away the lesson quickly because <laughs> I want you to know it. I don't want you to be guessing about it. But the one who is blessed is the one who delights in God's word. And there's just a couple things I want to mention about that. What does it mean to be blessed? I think most of us would say, well, yeah, I want to be blessed. But what does it actually mean to be blessed? And I think blessed comes from the word to be happy. But it really, it means to be happy because of what the Lord has given to us, right? It's a blessing. It's a, it's a happiness that comes over us because of the way God has treated us or what he has given to us, how he has provided for us. And blessings come in many, many different forms. Some of them are material. Most of us in here probably have had, you know, three square meals a day for quite a while. We're doing okay as far as eating. We've got shelter. We've got uh, a fellowship with one another. Uh, we've got our health and in various stages of health. And so blessings are many, many different types of things, but it's all of those good things that God has given us that we might be happy in him. And then there are spiritual blessings as well. I, I love Ephesians chapter one. I can't quote it verbatim anymore, but it talks about him choosing us and giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's just stop and think about that. There's nothing that Jesus did not purchase for us that we will not have in heaven because of its love for us and his willingness to give those things. So do we want to be blessed? Do we want to be the blessed person? Yeah, sure, we want to be the blessed person. The other part of this uh, little lesson here where I say blessed is the one who delights in the Lord, in the, is the one who delights in God's word, is the word delights. Now, we all know that the word of God is important. I think everyone here knows that. The word of God is important. But is the word of God something that is your delight? That's a little bit harder question, right? 
Because if it's something that we delight, it means something that we want around us and, and to almost encompass us and to guide us and direct us in every aspect of your life. And to be honest, I, you know, I, the only example I can use is myself is that sometimes I don't always feel that way about the word. Sometimes I, maybe I've studied all week, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like picking that up and, and reading it. I'm just being honest, right? Just being honest, I don't always feel that way. In, the, in those situations, it is not my delight. And I wonder why it's not my delight. And I, I think, Tony, it goes back to our Sunday school lesson where the question was asked, what are you feeding? You know, are you feeding your soul or are you feeding the fleshly part of you and trying and finding some kind of satisfaction in that rather than in the word of God? And so I want, I want to be this blessed person and I want to be a person who delights in God's word. I want to be a person who knows God's word, can communicate that to others. And that's not just pastors, I believe, that should have those desires. I think each and every one of us, if the word of God was truly our delight, we would be reading the word of God, studying it, meditating on it, but then we would be giving it away as well, right? We don't have to stand up on a podium we don't have to be a preacher up in the pulpit to share with someone, hey, I had this in my quiet time. I think it might encourage you today to hear that as well. Not a big speech, but it's a way that you can take what God shares with you and you can communicate that to someone else so that they are encouraged as well. That's really what part of the church is about, right? We are to be together to encourage one another. And so encouraging from God's word, I think, is one way that we can do that. But the writer of this, uh, of this psalm, and I don't think we know who wrote this psalm. It sounds like David, but it's not attributed to David. But uh, whoever wrote this was very wise because he, gives, he shows very clearly a, a very distinct dividing line. He says there's two sides of this equation of whether the word is a delight to them or not. And the, verse, the first side is the wicked. The wicked. The wicked are those who are in rebellion against God because of the curse put onto man, the Garden of Eden. Every, every person since the time of Adam and Eve has fallen under the curse of sin. And they have a nature that is bent away from God. So we, we often use this illustration a lot of times with children, but it, it's, it's true of all of us is that you do not have to treat, you do not, you do not have to teach a young child to, dis, to be disobedient, right? You don't, you don't teach them to be disobedient. You have to teach them to be good, right? That's part of our fallen nature. And as we get older without Christ, it only gets worse and worse. Right, We go further and further and further away from God. And that's what he's describing here. He's describing the wicked, that they are under a curse, that they are sinners, and that many of them are scoffers as well. Now you might say, well, what is the difference between a scoffer and a sinner? Well, a scoffer is, so, is someone who is actively promoting against God. 
someone who's very skeptical, skeptical about God and what the Bible might say could be one who even mocks, ridicules, or scorns the belief of another. We don't have to go too much further than the Bible itself to find examples of people who are scoffers. I could list Judas, one of the 12 original disciples who, who was a scoffer. He was a liar and he was a thief as well. Jezebel, does that ring any bells? Yeah, no, no one names their children Jezebel, right? Because they know the reputation that she has. She was one who was the wife of Ahab and turned Ahab and the people of Israel to other gods. And she was a terror herself. Other people that might be scoffers are antichrist, people who stand against Christ and those who will come in the future and stand against Christ, they will be against Christ. That's what Antichrist means. But then also there's this group called the children of wrath, which are us. <laughs> we at one time were scoffers as well, right? We at one time did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thought it was something maybe silly or just something made up for kids or something like a, a rule, a, a rule, a, a book of rules to keep us in line. So that, that's the picture that this psalm gives of the wicked and what they are like. They're not looking for God. They really want nothing to do with God. Really, with the, with the wicked, it's all about self-serving. Not serving a God, but self-serving, serving themselves. Let's look at a little bit more encouraging side, the blessed ones or the righteous ones. These, many times in the Old Testament, there's two groups, the wicked and the righteous. These blessed ones that are being talked about in Psalm number one are the blessed ones, they are the righteous ones. It does not mean sinless perfection, does it? To be righteous does not mean perfect, uh, does not mean sinless perfection. We know that all of us have turned aside, that's from Psalm 14:3. Together we have all become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. That's a picture of all of humanity. And so blessed ones or righteous ones are not those who in themselves are good or are sinlessly per perfect, perfectly sinless. but they are those who are blessed by God. Psalm 146.5 says, blessed is he who's, listen to this, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord his God. The blessed, their hope is in God. Amen. And so they are righteous, not of their own righteous deeds, but because Jesus himself led a perfect life and when you trust and believe in Christ, his righteousness becomes your righteousness. Psalm 146.8 says, The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The righteous, the blessed, are those who trust in God to save them. They have an attitude of humility. They recognize their sin. They've turned away from their sin, and they are turning to God for their salvation. They are those who are in a covenant with God and are committed 
to their covenant with God. Well, we talked about the two sides, but there's a delight for each one of these sides. First of all, the wicked, they delight in themselves. They delight in their own accomplishments, in their own glory. They delight in other people honoring them. And they really have nothing to do with God. Their counsel comes not from the word of God, but it comes from the wicked, sinners, and scoffers. They reject God's word, but they would rather go to the counsel of people who are living apart from God and are actually living sinful lives. The blessed ones, on the other hand, delight in God's law. They delight in God's law. These are the righteous ones, not a righteousness of their own, but a righteousness that comes from God through Christ. On what do they meditate? Do you meditate? <laughs> do you know meditate is a Christian word? Many times we think of meditation, we may think of other religions, right? There are other religions like yoga, Buddhism, who, who talk about meditating. And usually when they say that we should meditate, they're talking about clearing your mind of every thought. That's a very th dangerous thing to do, you know. If you clear your mind of every thought, it's just like any vacuum. I'm not talking about being brainless. I'm talking about if you try to empty your mind of thoughts, good or bad, there are gonna be thoughts come rushing back in and they're not going to be of God's word. That's the way that the pagans meditate. They try to meditate by removing everything out of their mind and trying to obtain some level of consciousness above where they are right now. They have no godly meditation. They don't meditate on creation and give, give credit to God for his creation. But they think mostly about how can I please me? How can I please me? They may not say that out loud. They may not even voice that in their mind, but their lifestyle says, how can I please me? The blessed ones on the other side meditate on God's word. They want to fill their mind with God's word so that Romans 12, 2 becomes true in their life. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. Christian meditation, instead of emptying your mind, it's filling your mind with the word of God and pushing all the bad stuff out. Amen. The wicked say, how can I please me? The blessed ones or the righteous, they ask the question, how can I please God? Foremost in our lives, right? Should be the foremost thing in our minds. How can I please God? And so from these actions, both sides bear, their, bear fruit. You, you, uh, we've talked about this many times, but fruit is an important concept in the Bible, right? So this is, those of you that have been on Wednesday night, we've been talking about parables. This is a parable, right? It's a parable much like parables that Jesus taught. Jesus taught about 
the four different types of soil. And there was one soil, the rocky soil, where the seed was cast out on there and it sprung up, but because it had no depth of root, when the sun came out, it was scorched and it did not bear any fruit. Do you see the similarity in that parable and this one? Because Jesus says the one who meditates day and night on God's word, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all it does, all he does, he prospers. And so the wicked, they are not like the tree, they are like chaff, which is the particles left off of the wheat after it's been threshed. It's not a fruit. The only thing that it is good for, like the parable that Jesus said, is for binding together and thrown into the fire, which is where the wicked will end up ultimately, right? Fire. Not anything that we wish on anyone. That's why we want to share the gospel with them. That's why we're so happy when someone like Draven receives Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's one person that is saved from the fire and on the path to living a life for Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Draven, for that example you've given to us. So the wicked are like chaff, no fruit at all, nothing good or no lasting good for themselves or others, but this chaff is carried away by the wind and ultimately the wicked perish. But the blessed ones, they do bear fruit. They're like this tree that is standing by streams of water. They're not like the seed planted on the path or on the rocky soil where there's no depth of soil. They can't get down to the nutrients. But there is here. They're planted by streams of water. The roots of this tree can go deep down and reach that water and the tree can be sustained. And not only sustained, because we don't want to just be sustained, we want to bear fruit, right? We want a crop. We want some of those apples. We want some of those peaches or pears. We want some of that fruit. And the fruit has to do with the lives of people, right? Draven, you are fruit from this church. <laughs> also, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the blessed ones are the ones by the tree, or they are the tree, planted by streams of water. It's strong, it weathers storms because it has deep root. The whole idea of meditation and meditating on God's word is to get every last drop of goodness out of that scripture that you can, right? That's what meditation is about. The word meditation used here and also in uh, Joshua 1.8 really means to chew the cud. Have you ever heard that term before? Probably heard it in here. This is probably not the first time I've talked on this, but it really means to chew the cud. And the animal who chews the cud chews for a while, it swallows it, goes to a special compartment in the stomach, and then later on they can bring that back up and they chew it more to get more and more and more nutrients out of it. That's what meditation on God's word is. It's reading some of God's word, thinking about it, 
Maybe for the rest of the day, you kind of tuck that back because you still have some questions about it. But then you bring that back up later in the day and God gives you more and more insight on that. Maybe it happens in your quiet time. It doesn't have to happen throughout the day. Maybe it happens in one quiet time where you sit down and you say, I'm going to understand this verse and I'm not going to leave until I understand what it says. You ever had a verse like that? I got a bunch of them if you, if you want to answer them for me. But you ever seen any of the shows where they hunt for gold? I used to watch them a long time ago. I used to watch the ones up in Alaska. And what's the guy's name? The younger guy that, anyway. Todd, Todd was started out, he was a big one. And then Parker, yeah, Parker. So they had to work hard to get that gold, right? They really had to work hard. And it's the same way with goodness from God's word. We really have to work hard in enable to get everything out of it that he wants us to get. It's the hard verses that we skip over sometimes that often have the most significant meaning for our lives. Topics such as the sovereignty of God. Topics such as the responsibility of men to the sovereignty of God. Things like that. Ultimately, the reason that we meditate is that we want our actions to change into that of what Jesus would want them to be. And so I think on your handout, I think you have some information here that I want to go over in the way of closing. What is Christian meditation? Is filling our minds with God's word with a view to real world change and application. We're doing this because our lives need to change. They need to be conformed to the image of Christ. This, this is a need for us regardless of whether we are young or whether we are old. He still commands us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God. The goal is to change minds, hearts, and ultimately our actions and behavior. How do we do this? Slow down. Everyone wants to go so fast, right? Make, anyone tried to read the Bible in a year? You know, you have to read really fast. You have to read three or four, five chapters a day. And that's good. I'm not saying not to do that. But meditation says, slow down. Slow down. I want to speak to you face to face. And so we need to slow down, find a quiet place and time where you will not be distracted. Then just select a verse, couple verses, read the chapter that it's included in for the content, read it several more times, read it in different versions, try emphasizing each word of the verse to get more meaning out of it. Try even writing out the verse several times. Pray through the verse. If it's a verse that you don't understand, pray as you are reading and studying it that God would help you to understand, that his Holy Spirit would speak to you and help you to understand that verse. It's extremely helpful 
to memorize scripture so that you cannot so that you can continue to meditate during the day ask questions ask what is the meaning of the verse and if necessary you could consult a mature believer if you have a question about it what we're asking is the meaning of the verse as the original author intended the meaning to be we're not asking the question what does the scripture mean to you everyone in here is going to have a different answer we want the answer ask what does the meaning of the me verse mean for me get that ask what the meaning of the verse has ask uh, what does the meaning of the verse mean for me in other words how is it going to affect me there's commandments all over the Bible did you know that <laughs> there's I, I mean other than the Ten Commandments the ones that we know but there's commandments all over the Bible uh, Paul says so whatever you do whether you eat or drink do it all to the glory of God have you ever thought about what it meant to actually try to be obedient to that verse but so many times we rush through that right we rush through it and we think that's a good concept I'll file that back here and it really doesn't take effect in our heart which that's what meditation does right it takes what we know in our mind and moves it down to our heart so that we are acting upon it so whatever we do do all to the glory of God how are you going to be obedient to that verse today it's work right it takes some work to do that but the benefits far outweigh the cost of what it is the benefits are a true experience of, of having a relationship with God you really get to experience him you get to ask him the hard questions you get to find the answers to the hard questions and you will grow closer to him which I hope is everyone's goal in here finally last thing on your handout be obedient to what God reveals you from the text try to do something that day if the verse says encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ that's not just something that's not a, a random saying that's God speaking to you find someone in your church that you can encourage that day meditation Christian meditation it's one of the five ways that we take God's Word into our life I've mentioned this before the little finger represents listening to the Word of God that's what you're doing right now the next finger is a little bit stronger finger uh, that is reading God's Word you're going to actually comprehend and remember more if you read it than if I say it that's just the way human nature is the third finger is studying scripture that's where you get out your Bible your pen your notebook you write down observations you ask questions you really study the text it's a little bit stronger the first finger is memorize scripture make it a part of your mind 
so that when temptation comes, you have a verse to answer the devil with. That's what Jesus did, right? He said, if you worship me, I will I'll give you all of this that you see. But Jesus had a scriptural answer. And then the fifth one is meditation. That's what you really use to grab hold of the Word of God. Because scripture memory places it up here, meditation takes it from here and puts it in your heart where it was safe forever. And so my prayer for you today is that Maybe today you will go back and reread this psalm again and want to be the blessed man who delights in the law of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you that you have given it to us and at great cost it has been passed down to us in a form that we have where it is true and accurate and it's the word that you gave to your disciples. And we trust it. We believe in it because it has shown to be authoritative and it's shown to be powerful throughout the many decades and generations. And so this great gift you have given us, why should we not take as much advantage of it as we can? Uh, let it not lay on our countertop or next to our bed, but help us to learn to pick it up and to love to meditate on the Word of God, to study it in such a way that it goes deep within our heart and that it changes our, our attitude and it takes anger away and it gives us peace, helps us to love all people and ultimately conforms us to the image of Christ. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.